Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Stay Safe and Stay Sane. My name is Chevis, and I am the host of this little podcast on creativity. That delightful music is by Persona La Ave. He did all of the tunes for this show. You should check him out. I feel so fortunate to have been able to work with him because he is oh so talented. I am so excited to share this next conversation with my next guest. It took a lot of courage for her to talk about some of the things that we discuss on this episode. And not only is she incredibly talented, she is kind and brave and just effervescent. I do have a housekeeping thing, little thing, a little tiny thing to talk about first before we get started. You may or may not know, but I am a one-woman show over here, and as much as I like to think that I'm oh so amazing and talented at everything I do, I make mistakes. So as you're listening to this next episode, you'll probably notice around the 30-minute mark that my audio kind of starts to sound not great. Well, that's because halfway through this interview, my computer crashed and I had to do a second audio file. And for some reason, I still haven't been able to figure it out. So if any of you guys know, that second file recorded the audio super low. So I had to boost it so that you could hear me, which means that there's a lot of noise doesn't sound amazing. I did my best to make it sound as pleasant on your eardrums as possible, but it's noticeable. I don't think it sounds so bad that you can't listen to it, but if you hate it, if you're just like, ugh, how dare you? How dare you assault me with with your voice amplified like this? Let me know. I mean, I'd rather know than not know, Um, but be nice about it because I have feelings and sometimes they get hurt. Regardless, I really hope it doesn't distract from the really inspiring conversation that I have with this next guest. She is a force to be reckoned with. I truly believe that she has a long and successful career ahead of her, and I feel so blessed to have been able to get to know her a little bit better through the making of this show. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our next guest. Autumn Lepla is a Los Angeles-based oil painter. We actually met randomly in the middle of quarantine and connected over our hometown, Dallas. Instead of exchanging numbers, we got each other's socials, which seems to be the norm these days. Autumn freely shares her work and her process via Instagram, and when I saw her paintings, I was blown away at the talent she possesses. Thank you so much for joining me and being open to have a conversation about art and creativity. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. How do you feel? I'm definitely getting out of my comfort zone right now. Talking isn't really like my favorite thing to do, but I'm actually really excited about it because you're really easy to talk to. So I don't feel that nervous. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think I love that you're, you're putting yourself out there and challenging yourself to do something new. So I'd like to start with a little bit, um, you know, I was reading your website and you mentioned that you're from the Winnebago tribe. Did I say that right? Yeah, Winnebago. Winnebago. And you were given a peyote name by your grandma. Mm -hmm. The name is beautiful. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and and your connection with with this culture? Yeah, so it's actually pronounced peyote. 
Piot. Yeah. Oh, see, uh, no, but I anglicize. No, um, actually, a lot of people pronounce it peyote because there is actually a drug that is native to my, my tribe, the Winnebago tribe. Our tribe pronounces it as peyote, but a lot of other people call it peyote. But yeah, it's native to our tribe and only our tribe is legal to have it in the United States, which I think that oh, is I had like no idea. so cool. Um, but yeah, uh, basically my name in uh, our native language is Ahucho and it means blue wing. Basically, Ahu is wing and Cho can either mean blue or green. My grandma gave that name to me because it was actually her name, so she passed it on to me. I actually just found out yesterday when I was talking on the phone with my mom. So there's like about, like, I think five or six different churches on my reservation. That name is actually a Christian name. So it, it derives when missionaries came to settle and bring in to broaden Christianity. Basically, the meaning behind my name is Angel. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, you're a little angel. You're your grandma's little angel. <laughs> I am. Uh, well, she's my angel now, but yeah. How does it feel to, to have a name that kind of represents this introduction of Christianity and <laughs> Anglos into uh, <laughs> the tribe and the culture? Personally, I have mixed feelings about it <laughs> because, you know, like Native American culture, it's a culture that is very important to keep alive, but it is very hard to keep alive because of the Native of the culture and how missionaries did come in in the 1800s. Christianity was huge. So that's why my tribe does have about six different churches in our reservation because when they did come in throughout the years they learned about Christianity and stuff and now it's not really like who's to say to take that away from them now but there is mm -hmm. still a peyote uh, church of Winnebago which is our original spiritualness of Native American culture so I I don't know. It's so funny because my dad was Christian, my mom very spiritual, and so growing up, like I, um, I lived in Texas where it was like the Bible bumping middle of America, mm -hmm. where if you talked about anything but Christianity, it was like, oh, you're a witch, burn her at the stake. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so it was something I definitely felt like I had to hide and not really be true to myself. I think every religion has their truths, but I don't think one religion is all truth, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So... With my Native American culture, I think it's just important for me to keep that alive because my grandma was just a heavy influence on me. And through that spirituality that I've learned through books, my, my grandma did die very early on in childhood. So I sometimes feel bad that 
I have all these questions and I'm not really able to go to her and ask her about it. Sometimes I feel like, well, am I enough Native American? Uh, Can I truly even say that I am Native American? Because my grandma married a German. Then my mom married a German as well. So that makes me like 25%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember as a child going to powwows, being immersed into the culture. And so like, I truly feel like I am a part of the culture. And and so <laughs> it's funny because I was even having a conversation with a friend the other day and uh, they asked me my nationality and I told them I'm Native American and German. And they're like, Autumn, you're not Native American. Just say you're white. It, it's been something like growing up that I've always felt like, even though I hold so much value in being Native American, I've always felt like I've had to just kind of bury it and not really like show it to the world. That makes sense, especially because you're white passing. I can only imagine that probably plays a a role in identity. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And and I'm glad you actually you say that because actually I did just paint uh, a painting with, uh, it was a Native American with a Trump hat that said, make America Native again. And I was so excited about doing this piece. And now I'm kind of like, I'm wondering if I should even take it out of my collection right now because I've had people come to me asking me if the girl's Filipino. I was I went to my best friend and I asked her about it and she made a really good point and she's like, Autumn, you've dealt with this all of your life. Like no matter how native someone is, people are gonna say they're not native enough unless they're like in a headdress you know, or dancing around a fire, living on the reservation, they're going to say, oh, she doesn't look Native enough. That freedom of expression, I think, is so important. I remember, I was actually thinking about this last night. I had a friend growing up whose mom and her were Wiccan. Mm, And I remember that being taboo and that being bad. (laughs) Now I'm in my mid-20s. And I uh, read tarot and (laughs) I do full moon and new moon rituals. All of these things that growing up in conservative Texas were so off the table. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, I remember when my mom first introduced me to tarot. She she sat me down on my steps and was like trying to teach me one by one what each card was. And my mom was actually a Reiki healer. Um, she was oh, wow. she was a master. And I remember when she would drive me to school every day, she would try to do Reiki on me. And, and I'd be looking out the window and I'd just feel her doing it. I'd be like, stop it. I was just like, <laughs> at first, honestly, I was so not about it because like, you know, in Texas, like all the popular people went to church. And so I wanted to like be a part of, you know, the popular group and follow those trends. But as I grew older, I, I became to value it so much more. And a lot of things made more sense as I grew up. I, I actually... I used to have like a lot of like visions that would actually come true 
And <laughs> so, yeah, I've always been a very spiritual person. That's incredibly cool. I think that's a good transition into the next topic. I'd love to know what it means to you to reflect your spirituality in your paintings. Yeah, it means so much to me because I feel like I finally have an outlet where I can talk about it without actually talking about it. You know, just showing people how I feel and kind of like, in a sense, subliminal messages. A lot of my work um, is very socio-political as well. Like I said, I'm not good enough with words to have a political conversation, but I like to convey my thoughts and opinions through my art. And I'm very intrigued by the underground nature of government, like secret societies and everything. So I voice my opinions without words. And honestly, like I'm not really like trying to gain anything. I'm just trying to express myself. And it just so happens that I like I make a political statement out of that. Making political statements in art, that's the foundation of art. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look back through time and it is inherently political. Uh, you mentioned on your website that the, you know, the socio-political events, like that's what you're trying to reflect within your portraiture. Is there, do you have a process or is it just like an inkling of an idea that expands? I mean, I think the obvious one is like make America native again, mm -hmm. obviously talking about Trump, you know, thinking that make America great again. <laughs> America <laughs> is built on a very complex history yeah. of uh, subjugation of peoples. So I feel like that one's pretty straightforward, but is this in every single painting or is it? It's not in everyone. Like I have one that is called E Pluribus Unum. Uh, which is actually a Freemasonry term. It's old Latin. It means out of many one. It's when all 13 states came together to form the United States back then. And I made it about a year ago whenever all of this started happening, the pandemic and everything started closing down and one event after another after another was happening and I was like wow like yeah we're one in the United States but we've never felt so apart right now and so that's why kind of what I said before like subliminal messages I use my line work as those subliminal messages if you look at my art you'll see that I put lines on top of the portraits for that line I actually separated it because of the separation that I felt. I really like that painting, <laughs> it's really cool. Thank you. I had no idea that's, I, I recognized it was Latin and it for me I was like, okay, this has to be connected. I didn't look it up, but I was like, this has to be connected with some sort of conspiracy. <laughs> Not a lot of people understand that one and I kind of like it that way. <laughs> it's like a little hidden gem yeah. that, you know, you, you have to crawl into Autumn's brain to understand. Exactly. You mentioned that you really love painting the eyes. Mm -hmm. What is it? What is it about the eyes? Because the eyes are the windows to your soul. I can literally tell anything about you when I look into your eyes. I know when you're lying, I know 
your core like values. If I am able to talk to you enough and I can look you in the eyes, then I can pretty much get a good sense of who you are. I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> Besides the the socio political spiritual elements, are there other things that influence your art that that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, definitely. Just like life experiences as well. I just came up with a concept actually probably a month ago. I was on a date with this guy. He came over to my place and like he saw all of my spiritual books and he was asking about it and he was so not into it he thought I was crazy <laughs> he thought I was one of those like crazy astrologer girls you know I enjoyed the date though other than that then I thought he was a really good guy and then after he just ghosted me <laughs> so I felt super rejected it almost like a flashback, like where I was back in Texas, where I felt like I couldn't belong or be who I was. But it's so funny. I like stayed up till 1am. I was like, so upset for no reason. I was like, okay, how do I use this energy to be creative? Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> I got a picture of myself. And I put like a you know those stampers that like they stamp on paper and it says rejected absolutely yeah yeah i i, I put that stamp on top of my face <laughs> i was rejected <laughs> and i actually like i look at it and it makes me so happy now because i don't know, i just especially like times like these where like social media is so important to have as an artist but I do like scroll through social media and I, I do compare myself like any other person would to other people. And I look at these girls and I'm like, oh, she's so pretty. Like she must have an amazing life. And then I thought to myself, I was like, well, I'm sure other girls are looking on my page thinking the same thing. So mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to make a statement saying, you know, like, rejection is a part of life like everyone goes through it and if you don't you're not living life <laughs> yeah that's all you have to say because if you're not putting yourself out there if you're not taking risks then that sounds like a pretty pretty dull life and yeah it's safe yeah you get to feel held or coddled but you also miss out on so many opportunities by not putting yourself in a position to get rejected yeah, you learn so much about yourself and what you like and what your your value is, what you're going to let into your life and what you're not. You know, talking about this experience, you know, you say you channeled that that energy into art. You wanted to take this sort of this not great, not fun, you know, negative energy if you will mm -hmm. and use expression creative expression as almost a therapy mm -hmm. do you feel that art has served as your therapy a hundred percent for sure if i didn't have art i don't think i would be able to deal with a lot of stuff how how has art allowed you to work through your experiences it's helped me visualize it in a more beautiful way if that makes sense. I turn, I, mm -hmm. I use this energy and I make it into something beautiful. 
And I think that's actually just part of life where I look back on some of my most traumatic events in my life, even though they were so traumatic, I don't regret them at all because they made me who I am as a person and I'm so much stronger because of it. And I truly believe like if I wouldn't have gone through all those hard things, then I wouldn't be where I am today. And I'm actually really proud of where I am. I couldn't agree more. You have the gift of perspective now. Yeah. Because you're out on the other side. You look at all of these experiences that in the moment you think, I am never going to make it through this. I'm never going to move past this. I'm always going to be sad or mad or fill in the blank with whatever emotion. Mm -hmm. And time is the greatest teacher. You've been able to move past it and go, those elements make me add up to make me who I am, but I am not each element. Exactly. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that. But art helped me realize that. And when I'm in a painting, it's just a meditative state for me. Like I literally don't think about anything when I'm painting. I'm just literally in the moment. And then I look at the final piece and I'm like, wow. I made this out of something that wasn't really originally beautiful, but I turned it into something beautiful. When we talked before, you mentioned that art allowed you to discover your voice. Mm -hmm. For sure. What does that mean to you? I mean, it could be something tangible or a feeling. Like, What does it mean to find your voice? In my own way, it was finding my voice without having to talk. You know, I was originally really scared talking to you and doing this podcast because all my life I've been told that I was dumb and that I wasn't, I was actually put into special classes when I was little. <laughs> so ever since then, like, I just felt like I couldn't speak my mind. So I just, I stayed quiet a lot of my life up until I think I graduated high school. I was super quiet. I actually always told my mom when I was younger, I was like, I wish I could talk to people telepathically. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just, I felt like my words didn't really ever matter. And I think in pictures, so it's very hard for me to turn those pictures into words and get them out of my mouth. <laughs> so being able to turn those pictures in my mind into it and materialize it, it just means a lot to me. And I think that's part of the reason why I like to draw portraiture as well, too, is to materialize my thoughts and emotions. Through people. Yeah, through people and humanize it. Yeah. I hate that people told you you were dumb or your words didn't matter because I remember it was so we, we met and we exchanged just a little bit and you, you are, you're you're a quiet person. Um but I always think that the quiet people are the ones to watch out for. <laughs> yeah, I mean everyone told Einstein that he was dumb and then 
you know, look what happened there. So, <laughs> you know, even though I might, I might stutter sometimes and I'm not very good with my words, I know that I'm very full of wisdom because of my past. I've learned a lot. And you are the only person who's going to have your perspective. <laughs> I love that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. I mean, you're really shy uh, and I'm obviously a very loud, obnoxious person. And I saw your work and I was like, this quiet person that I've met who, I mean, especially in L.A. where everyone is hyping themselves up, it was really shocking, frankly, to, <laughs> to see your work and go, damn, Autumn is really, really talented. And like, what a small world um, for listeners Fun fact, Autumn actually worked at a clothing store with my best friend. (laughs) My first ever job. And she was like, oh, Autumn, yeah, I used to work with her. And for me, that is synchronicity at its finest because Mm -hmm. I am a spiritual person um, and I believe in energy and I believe in the universe I believe that what you put out there, you receive tenfold. And after I mentioned to Jasmine that I reached out to you and she said that, I was like, this is, this is the universe at play. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a coincidence. Like it was meant to be. Absolutely. I, that's why one of my biggest models too is like everything happens for a reason. I know some people think that's so cliche and people think that people, a lot of people actually hate that thing because they're like, well, bad things happen all the time. Are you saying that they deserve it? Or and I'm just like, just looking back at my past of like, yeah, just from my own perspective, I'm going to say is just all of the traumatic things that happened to me, it happened for a reason. And going back to like, not even having a voice. Um, one of the reasons too, like why I felt like even after high school, I didn't have a voice was because of a lot of sexual assault that happened in my life. And I felt like I didn't have a voice right then because of the people who were involved. I was actually my first time, it was actually with someone who is very well known and had Mm -hmm. a lot of power and had a lot of money. Um, was very much in the public eye. So it's very upsetting to me throughout these years. Still, I tend to feel like I don't have a voice when it comes to that because I see all the time, like 16 other girls came out saying that he did the same thing to them and they were all underage, just like I was. And nothing ever happened to him because he has money and power mm-hmm. and so it just really bothers me sometimes because I do see girls coming out talking about these problems and what these guys get a slap on their wrist and then six months later they're back in the game doing whatever they want and mm-hmm. and so yeah sometimes I still struggle with feeling like I don't have a voice with that and so I feel like a a lot of my art is expression of it's almost empowering to me to be able to just express myself and feel like I do have a voice and 
opening more about my sexual assault through paintings as well. I am created a painting like two months ago that was about my sexual assault that it says do not touch me because I I actually if I don't if I don't know you then I don't like being touched but that means a lot whenever like I it's so funny because I'm such a happy loving person like I always want to like I always come and like give people hugs but sometimes I'm just like physical touch really does scare me well, thank you for, for opening up and, and talking about it. I I hate that that happened to you. And unfortunately, it's not unique to you. In this situation, it sounds like, because this terrible person did this to other people. But, you know, it wasn't just him, though, too. You know, I've, I've dealt with it my whole life. You know, after... After that situation, I ended up getting a pretty serious boyfriend. You know, I had told him about the situation, what had happened, and he said, well, Autumn, it's your fault because you didn't defend yourself. And that's one of the reasons, too, I felt like I didn't have a voice because I blamed myself for all these years. I thought it was my fault for being dumb, for going into this hotel room with someone that I didn't know, thinking that it was going to be a party, that it was my fault for trusting someone that I didn't know, like, it was my fault for leading him on. And, and so yeah, he told me that. And, you know, I've had other relationships tell me, you know, like when they wanted to have sex with me, and I wasn't in the mood for it, I tell them no. And they're like, well, Autumn, you're obligated you're obligated to have sex with me because you're my girlfriend like so and they would force me into it and they're just viewing you like a pair of legs with tits in a hole which is <laughs> exactly. you're a person you're a person and i mean this really wasn't the conversation we didn't start having this conversation until 2016 mm-hmm. where when me too happened and people started actually coming out and this has been happening forever yeah but it's just now starting to become a part of the discourse. I mean, I had a classmate sexually harass me my first semester of film school and I wasn't assaulted. You know, it's always like, oh, but it it still really sucked mm-hmm. and it's really isolating. And I remember not getting onto sets and not being invited places because people didn't want drama with me and this person. And um, I ended up having to just figure things out my own way and my own path. I believe he's learned <laughs> from his mistake, but it sucked because it, it it's a very isolating feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I definitely know how you feel. It is very isolating. Uh, I, I, to this day, still see my rapists on the streets of LA. So that's really hard. And knowing that People still look up to him. I just wish if only people knew. But I've learned so much from it. And it has affected me a lot. Like, even to this day, I sometimes feel like, am I even worthy of being loved because I have all this trauma behind, like, sex? Like, I don't know if I'm ever really going to be able to enjoy sex. And it just, like... 
it kind of hurts me sometimes. I talk to some of my friends and, you know, they're so sexually fluid, like able to talk freely about it and like be like, oh yeah, I went on this day and we had sex, like just going around having sex with a lot of people, which good to them, like if they want to, yeah. And I've always felt bad that like I wasn't really able to do that and not really experience good, healthy love from any of it. Yeah, I'm exploring this very idea in a project right now. I do think there needs to be a balance. I love that we are so sex positive as a culture now. And we, I feel like there's been a lot of empowerment with women through that. But at the same time, I think that there are a lot of issues with millennial dating culture mm-hmm. because a lot of the times I feel like in the pursuit of intimacy, we confuse sex for intimacy. Oh, yeah. They're not the same. Exactly. What if you could buy unique clothes and accessories from a small business while also supporting an amazing charity? Mary Lowe is a designer and creative, reimagining basics through loudly soft prints. Through her studio, Hilo Creative Inc., Mary's goal is to create, provide, and support a community creative space for all. In partnership with Stay Safe and Stay Sane, and with code SSSS, 1% of your purchase will be allocated to Asian and Pacific Islander women-led, with donations up to $500. That's really cool. If we raise more, we're going to spread the love to other organizations. Shop some wavy babies and good vibes at buy-marylow.com or follow her journey on Instagram at HiMaryLow to see when she'll be popping up next and releasing new items. Thanks for listening. How did you get into, into painting? Um, so... I've been a painter pretty much my whole life. My parents put me into extracurricular activities after school where I would go to farms and paint the chickens and stuff and the horses. It was so cute, yeah. And I actually did 12 years of schooling and throughout high school. I did like wood shop, I did sculpture, I did college level classes in high school for art so um, I definitely learned a lot through those classes but I never did go to college for art it kind of left me whenever I went out and started going into the real world and had to get a job you know my dad's very corporate person so he always told me, Autumn, you have to go get a real job. <laughs> and so I went into... What a dad thing to say. Oh, yeah. And so uh, I was like, I went into that nine to five realm. And it's so funny because I'm like, Dad, you put me in all these extracurricular activities. You had me do dance. You had me do art. Like, I'm a very creative person. And you expect me to be a nine to five person? Like, <laughs> you put me into these classes. <laughs> I worked up my, my way up the corporate ladder. I did pretty well. Actually, before COVID, I worked three jobs. 
I had a, oh my gosh yeah I had a marketing job which was my nine to five and then from six to nine I would do you know Instacart or shipped or one of those grocery store apps so I was doing that for six days out of a week so I would only have one day to rest so I do errands and stuff so I was working from 9 a.m to 9 p.m just hustling hard Throughout building my career in corporate America, I didn't realize it back then. Well, I guess I did because I literally cried every day. <laughs> like literally I would go to my roommate and just cry in her lap, <laughs> but I didn't have the time to put those feelings and expressions into art because I was literally working so much. So after um, the pandemic hit, I literally lost all my jobs. And so I was like, well, I could use this time to focus on my art. And a whole year passed by and I have a whole collection and I've never been happier. Like I can honestly say like, I will never go back to the nine to five life, no matter like how hard it gets, like it's just not gonna happen. Uh, COVID, it's an insane thing. I don't know if we, if I mentioned this, but I was laid off during COVID and mm -hmm. I was working all the time, especially yeah. because there wasn't that barrier for office life and at home life mm -hmm. because your home is your office. And I was living alone in a studio in Koreatown and I got laid off. I didn't see it coming. I should have seen it coming, but I didn't see it coming. The day I was going to sign a new lease, I found out I was laid off. So for me, I just took that as a sign from the universe that like, hey, it's going to be okay. Just pack up mm -hmm. and make it work. And now that I'm out of that world, I look back and it's really hard for me to have any desire to go back to that lifestyle because, exactly. you know, I was going to ask you, I was going to talk about how I feel like there's a misconception that being a painter is a luxury, but now that I'm kind of talking it through, art is kind of a luxury, but I mm -hmm. also think it's a necessary luxury because there are so many elements, there are so many things that art can bring value to in our lives. I know exactly what you're saying. I feel like it's a luxury every day for me to even focus on my art because of not ever having time in the past but i will say that the act of it isn't always luxurious as people think like people think that my dad to this day he still thinks that i'm just painting every day like just sitting in front of an easel and like when i'm not painting i'm just sitting at home doing nothing and <laughs> He's like, he still, to this day, he's like, must be nice to not ever work. <laughs> and I'm like, but dad, like, even just yesterday, I was looking, like, even, so I spend my time, like, pretty much 9 a.m. or earlier and until 4 p.m. in the studio. But from, like, 5 to whenever... I am on my computer researching and doing pretty much like legal stuff. So yesterday I was researching a lot of 
legal stuff for my art, uh, trying to figure out how to copyright my art, like trying to figure out how to make a certificate of authenticity, you know, trying to figure out all of this legal stuff by myself because I don't have representation behind me yet that would do this for me, but hopefully one day. But yeah, like there's so much more that goes behind it, like doing marketing, trying to photograph the process. Sometimes it really annoys me. I'm like, I wish I could just paint and not have to worry about (laughs) recording every little process. I just want to enjoy the process myself. But I do enjoy the process. It's just sometimes it can be a little, okay, TikTok. It's a lot harder than you think. <laughs> People are making these like really silly videos and then I'm like in front of my camera like, oh my gosh, how do I work this? It's so hard. I think that's just the millennial in me. <laughs> like, Oh, it's I never thought I would be at this point. I'm like, how do they do that? How do they do that? Cool. No, I mean, I think that that's a really good point to bring up because there are I didn't even think about that. But of course, there's copywriting. Of course, there's certificates for authenticity you have to do Mm -hmm. to sell a painting. Not something I would ever thought about. And so, you know, I'm coming up on my first sale right now and like just worrying about, you know, if it's going to be legit if it's actually going to go through. Is the check going to bounce? How am I going to ship my items? Luckily, I'm in Los Angeles where like people have shipping options out here, but a lot like middle America, they don't have that. So as an artist, you have to figure it out yourself. And yeah, you can look up a lot of YouTube videos on the business of art and everything. But to be honest, No one in the creative field knows what they're doing, especially in art. Like, it's such a thing where, like, there's no one way to do it. There's no right way to do it. Everyone has their own way. And that even goes for, like, music and everything. Like, some of my best friends, they're in a band. I go over to their place, and they're constantly in the studio. I find it so inspiring just watching them because I know it's not just them in the studio like it, they're also thinking about branding marketing PR so yeah people in the creative field no one knows what they're doing they're just doing what works for them every single person who is pursuing creativity professionally mm-hmm. is their own boss and yeah. kind of has to come up with the answers themselves exactly the beauty and the pain of artistic endeavors is that there isn't a roadmap it's not like becoming a doctor Mm -hmm. like how does one become a painter oh yeah you paint okay cool but how do you get people to see your paintings or one how do you how do you do your taxes (laughs) (laughs) how do you do your taxes please someone make a course on how to do your taxes please especially Uh... (laughs) as an artist yeah So I've asked each guest to bring something that serves as inspiration to them. This could be a passage, a quote, a piece of art, whatever. What did you bring for us today, Autumn? I brought a quote, one of my favorite quotes that I've had since high school where I was dealing with a lot of my trauma and it helped me through a lot. So the quote is, someone I loved once 
gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. And that's from Mary Oliver. I just love that quote because it's it's pretty much everything that I've been talking about this whole time. It's basically turning my trauma and using it as knowledge and wisdom and putting that wisdom into my art. I love that. You are so wise. Everything that's happened to you has made you wiser than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes back to like the yin and the yang. One isn't good or bad. They're just polarities of energy. Exactly. And you can't have the good without the, the bad. And you can't have the bad without the good. Exactly. Well, um, Autumn, thank you so much for for spending some time and and opening up and i know this was new for you how do you feel now that now that we're coming to a close you know i feel really great and i advise everyone to get out of their comfort zone every so often because this was such a great opportunity thank you so much for having me and i just hope that you know, even though it was hard for me to talk about a, a couple of these things that I haven't really talked to a lot of people, I hope that I at least, you know, help one person who's listening. That's all we can hope for. If you would like to buy one of Autumn's paintings, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're for sale. Uh, no, you can you can find her on Instagram and on her website. It's at autumnlepla and autumnlepla.com. Those links will be in the description. Oh, this was so lovely. Thank you, Autumn. And stay safe and stay sane. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for having me.